0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Philippians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart Pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ, for the glory and praise of God. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word.
1: Good morning. morning. How's everybody today? Good. I'm glad that rain's kind of... Not been so bad as it could have been this weekend. Um, I have four children's messages in here today. I couldn't decide. So, Number three? Gotcha. Okay. Hmm? Yes. Number three. Number three. Coming right up. There's number one. Number two. And number three. All right. Put number two and number one back in there. but Literally, I'm, I'm prepared. Save them for another time. All right. So, First uh, Philippians chapter one is a wonderful letter. How many of you go to your mailbox and get stuff in it? Anybody ever get anything in your mailbox? So much of it comes electronically now that we don't often get stuff in the mail, except we often get a lot of this kind of stuff. And then we get these kind of things. It says National Grid on it. Mm, probably a bill. Mm. But occasionally we get some things like this. Yeah? So when you get the mail, are you super excited to see these? No. How about when you get these? Yeah. Yes. In fact, you can see I was in a hurry to open this one because it was a letter from a friend and she sent pictures. It was awesome. It's so, so excited when you get get letters from friends, especially if they live far away. I have a pen pal that lives in Northern Ireland, so occasionally she sends me a letter. Mostly we talk on Facebook or something like that, but occasionally she sends me a letter, and it's always so exciting. Um, so I was thinking about um, Paul's, le- uh, yeah, Paul's letter to the Philippians, and I'm thinking, well, gee, wasn't he in jail? How was he writing these letters? But Paul had a job. Job, his job was to spread the good news to all the Gentiles. Well, that's kind of hard to do if you're in jail, because you can't go out and tell people about it if you're in jail. So the other thing that I know about Paul is that he's a team player. He doesn't, Every time you read about Paul, last week it was Paul and Silas, this week it's Paul and Timothy. Paul always worked with people. He always had partners in ministry. Paul and Lydia. Paul, it, it wasn't, didn't matter who it was. He had partners in ministry. And he could send a letter and say, hey, I know you guys are doing some good stuff out there, but we need to do more. We need to spread it more. And so, I thought that maybe we could understand that a little better if I had a volunteer to help me. Anybody want to volunteer? No? No volunteers today? <laughs> well, I might have to volunteer somebody. Who wants to be my helper today? All right then, come on down. All right. So. Okay. I got mail. You got mail? Yeah. It's fun to get mail, isn't it? Yeah. So today, what I'd like for you to. do. You did? Yeah, a card or a letter or both. A card. A card. Okay. Well, what I would like for you to do today is, do you know how to tap something gently? Like that. Go ahead, tap my hand. Yeah, it's pretty good. A little more gently. Okay, so what I would like for you to do is I would like for you to tap each person here very gently. Okay? Can you say the words grace and peace? grace and peace. So when you tap them, you're going to say grace and peace. Okay? Can you start up here? Go ahead. Whoa! Watch your step. Over here. Over here. Over here. You know, this could take a really long time if he has to go around and tell everybody grace and peace. Would you like some help? Hey, come here. Would you like some help? Yeah, I think so. Because, as I said, Paul was a team player. He always had a team. So what I would like you to do now is I would like you to tap one person on each side. But wait, don't do it yet. And then that person is then going to tap another person. And they're going to say grace and peace. Right? Okay? So So you can tap that one. Yep. And then you can tap Vipa, and you can tap Mr. Carl, and then they can tap somebody else. All right, so tell them grace and peace. And then when you get tapped, you tell, tap somebody else. Okay, don't forget Mr. Carl over here. All right, good job. It makes the whole job go so much faster and better when we, when we all work together, doesn't it? Oh, don't forget about Miss Sue over here. Good job. You're a good helper. And so is everyone out there. It's so important for us to work together. Good job. Okay. great. You didn't say grace and peace. Come on. <laughs> See how fast that went? If he had to go to every single one and do it, it would have taken much longer. But I think everyone has received grace and peace this morning, right? And that's what we want to know. We want to be a team. Because when we work together, it all works out for good. Some of us have more energy than others, but that's okay. Because if, we're, if, if one of us has energy and the other doesn't, we can build each other up. If one needs encouragement, we can do that too. So let's remember to be a team. Paul was always part of a team. And football, you played football this morning. Are you on a team? Yeah? Does it work better when everybody works together? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have called us to a mission, a mission to spread your love, your grace, and your peace to all. Just as Paul sat in prison and wrote letters to encourage his friends, to encourage each other, help us to reach out and encourage each other to share grace and peace with them, and most of all, your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's
2: pray. We do want to praise you, Lord, um, in our singing, in our speaking, in our living, and in our listening, and our speaking. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me and that we will all... um, Encounter you today, hear from you, and um, really discover how loved we are by you. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, um, do you think that God loves you? No. You know He does. That's right. Okay. How about this? Do you think that God likes you? Sometimes. <laughs> does it feel different? to think of it in the, like, to change the words? Does it feel different if, instead of saying, do you think God likes you, if I said, do you think Jesus likes you? Yes? No? Maybe. What's the difference? No, well, between, let's say, let's go back. Between... Does God love you or does God like you? What's the difference between those two? Is there one? Oh, Do you say a lot? What's love is greater? Love is greater. Okay, that is true. Love is okay, that's good. So Paul said, love follows through more steadfastly than liking, and Um, Sorry, Barbara, what did you say? Oh, love is more forgiving than liking. That's true, but... Okay, so Ron says love is about the whole package, and liking has more to do with your activities and, and actions. So I think you guys are onto something, but... Is there any value in liking? Yeah. Kathleen, you look like. (laughs) I feel you. Right. Is there anyone else in here that would like to know that God actually enjoys you, likes you? I would like to know that. I mean, part of that maybe has to do with the fact that I just want people to like me all the time. And I know that's not always possible, but when it dawned on me that God might like me as well as love me, that was kind of earth-shaking. We say that love is bigger and love is more all-encompassing and love, love does things that liking can't. And I think that's right. But love is also, sometimes because it is so much bigger, it is much harder to feel or wrap your head around or kind of, what do I do with this? I used to think about myself when I was much younger. I know God loves me because he has to, because he's God and he is love. But I don't think he likes me very much. I used to say this out loud. It was for real. I really, that's how I really felt. So, okay, keep that on the back burner. We, me and this congregation, have been together for almost five years. Did you know that? The first Sunday of the year will be our five-year anniversary together um, of 2024. And here is a story for those of you who got here after the beginning of 2019, um, which is when I got here. Some of you know pieces of this, but I think you all know this part. I did not plan to be a pastor. (laughs) And one Sunday, I I had guest preached here one other time, and then Barb invited me to preach on, it was Sunday, July 7th, 2018. I remember this. And after the service, she said, we're still looking for a pastor. Would you consider applying? And I was like, no. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I didn't plan to be a pastor, and, but then God works with me like this. These things, these opportunities get presented to me, and I'm like, I don't think so, thank you. And then I can't stop thinking about it, and so then finally I'm like, okay, fine, and then everything happens. And so when I got to the point of not being able to stop thinking about it, I finally pulled together my resume, I updated it, and I sent it to the church with a cover letter in which I basically said, I am not looking to be a pastor, but I would be honored to pastor this congregation. Do you have any idea why? (laughs) It was before you got here, Ron. <laughs> I felt that way because I liked you. I had, been, I had worked for a church before for seven years, not as a pastor, but, um, and I had done some other guest preaching at other churches more frequently than I had come here, but there were things about this congregation that I really liked. That were unique. It wasn't that there was necessarily anything wrong with the other churches, but there was something about this church that I just really liked. And you're right, Barbara, I wasn't, I didn't know you well enough to love you, but but I really, I really liked the people here. So this is how I think the Apostle Paul feels about the Philippians. We are gonna. We've been going through the lectionary all year, and the next couple of weeks in the lectionary do have some passages from Philippians, and I thought they all did, and then I realized that they don't, and I was like, you know what, I'm sick of this lectionary, we're just going to study Philippians. So <laughs> that's what we're doing until Advent. Um, in 2021, we at this time of year, we usually do go through an epistle, one of the letters in the New Testament. And... Um, we went through Galatians, and that book, that letter from Paul, is notable because the Apostle Paul was so frustrated with the Galatian Christians for how they were allowing legalism to overtake them and overtake the good news about Jesus that he doesn't say anything nice about them at the beginning of his letter. Even the Corinthians, who are the notorious problem children of the New Testament, get some affirmation at the beginning of Paul's letters to them, but the Galatians do not. But Philippians is famous for the opposite reason. If you read any commentary or any other or a Bible study about Philippians or anything about Philippians, somewhere in that book the author will point out that the Apostle Paul really, really likes the Philippian Christians. So this year we've been alternating between talking about how to get along and behave as a community of Jesus followers and about what the good news of salvation or rescue, like we've been talking about, really is. And I part of the reason that I decided to ditch the lectionary for the rest of the year and just focus on Philippians is because I feel like we've been doing a really lot of hard work This year, that we've needed to do, God has led us through a bunch of things, but after all of this, it would be nice to have some encouragement, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. So here's the overarching question for today and for this series up until Advent. What if one of the reasons that God rescues us, like we've been talking about for a few weeks, is because, not just because he loves us, but because he likes us. Could be cool. So you can read more stories about the Philippian Christians in Acts 16, and I know that you dug into one of them a little bit last week with Foster. And apologies if I repeat some stuff, because I haven't had a chance to listen to his sermon yet. But um, the Philippian church, so Philippi was in Asia Minor. It's part of the Roman Empire, and it, is, um, it was technically part of Europe. I think maybe the church in Philippi was the first European church. Um, And interestingly, the church was founded, I mean, the Apostle Paul planted it, but it was founded by the local people who founded it were women. They were the original leaders in this church, particularly a woman named Lydia. There is no mention in the stories about her of a husband, and so... Maybe she was a widow, maybe, I don't know how likely this is, but she may have never married. She was a Gentile businesswoman. And so there's that story, and we're going to look at that a little bit more in a second. But the other famous story that happens in the book of Acts in Philippi is the one about the demonized slave fortune teller, also a woman, Um, Paul and Silas cast the demon out of her, and then they end up in prison, like you guys talked about last week. So now, when Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he is in prison again. And different commentators have different ideas of which time this was and where he was in prison, and maybe he was in prison in Ephesus, which would explain why he starts his letter saying that it's from Paul and Timothy. Timothy was the pastor of the church that Paul started in Ephesus. Last year, at this time, we studied the book of Ephesus together. So the Philippian church seems, for the most part, to have developed very healthily. And although there are some things in this letter that Paul will correct, His correction is gentler with the Philippians than with the others, and the intro in this book is glowing. There is no other introduction to a letter from the Apostle Paul that is as happy with the people that he's writing to as this one. In verses 3 and 4, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. This is kind of notable. First of all, Paul is thankful for these people. He he says that about a few other churches. He says he prays for all of them, and apparently he prays for all of them more than once. He says, in all my prayers, for all of you. He just prays for them, it sounds like, all the time. And he prays for them with joy. How many of you pray for anyone or about anything with joy. Yes? Excellent. Sometimes, yeah, it's it, it can be hard to maintain, especially when it feels like the situation that you're praying for is a hopeless case, right? Or, or difficult, right? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's hard to even know how to pray for something or what to pray about. But Paul is saying, and maybe he's exaggerating, it's possible he gets enthusiastic, but he's saying, I pray for you all the time, all of you, and I'm always happy about it. Why? Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So let's think about, let's look at this. What was the partnership on the first day? We can see that in Acts 16, 13 to 15. It says, on the Sabbath, Luke wrote the book of Acts, and and he is telling this story. Um, Interestingly, the Sabbath was, well, actually, yeah, skip that point. I'm not sure if that was the Jewish Sabbath or the Christian Sunday. But on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down there and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So the followers of Jesus in Philippi put their money where their mouth was. They were followers of Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus. They weren't just believers in Jesus. It wasn't like, so she says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, let me do something for you. Come stay here. Let me provide for you. They partnered in the gospel by providing for Paul practically. They they practically supported him. Not only did Paul stay at Lydia's house, but Later on, they actually financially support him when he's in ministry. That will come up a little bit in the letter as we go forward. So they are participating in the good news work that Paul is doing, the rescue work, like we've been talking about, by helping him um, have something to live on. But Paul's joy in these Philippian Christians and their partnership with him, and especially with the gospel, goes beyond just, I'm so happy with you because you fed me and kept me in your house, and sometimes you send me money. Like, that's great. He wants that help, he needs that help, and he's happy about it, but that's not the only thing that gives him joy. He says, being confident of this. So, I always pray with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. As we said, sometimes we run across people that we pray for, and but they feel like hopeless cases, and so we're just kind of going through the motions, and it's tough to pray for them with joy, because nothing has ever changed, and it doesn't seem like anything is ever going to change. And it's possible that sometimes Paul felt this way about some of the churches that he planted and worked with and wrote to, but he does not feel that way in this case. He is joyful that God's good work, not Paul's good work, God's good work will be completed in their lives by God until Jesus returns, or until the end of this life. Regarding these people, Paul can proclaim joyfully and confidently that God is going to finish what he started why? Well, first of all, because God finishes what he starts. But also, because it's clear that in these people's case, God has started. Right? Sometimes you, you meet people, and they come to Christ, and they, they have the belief, but it takes them a while <laughs> to start becoming transformed, to start becoming more like Jesus. And so it, sometimes it's not quite clear Definitely God did something because they gave their lives to Jesus, but seeing the fruit of that takes a while. But Paul's saying, God definitely started a good work in you, and so he started it, he's going to finish it. I am confident, and that gives me joy. So, what is God's good work in a person? Yes. You got the answer. Transformation. I actually, that's the word that I have written on my paper right here. What kind of transformation?
1: (laughs) Don't get picky.
2: (laughs) You don't think he likes us first? (laughs) Yes. You can't like somebody when they're, in, when they're incomplete. Yeah, that was complicated. But okay, um, <laughs> we are to be transformed into Christlikeness. We are supposed to look like Jesus. Remember, I don't remember when this was, but I know it was this year when we talked about. Not The question not being what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus do if he were me? We're all supposed to be like different flavors of Jesus. Baskin-Robbins or Hines, 20, however many. Yes, we are supposed to end up as one with him. And that doesn't negate our personalities. We don't all need to become the same exact person because that would be boring, and also not very effective. So, God, the good work that God starts in a human being is to make us more like Jesus, to make us into good news people, to make us into rescuers with Jesus. And how do we know this is the good work that Paul means? Well, because he talks about it all the time, for one thing, but also... In these first 11 verses of this book, he names Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus so many times in connection with the Philippian Christians. Verse 1, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Verse 2, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 8, the affection of Christ Jesus. Verse 10, blameless for the day of Christ. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Paul really, 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 really loves Jesus. So this week I taught another pilgrimage workshop on Wednesday night, and there was a woman in there who, like many people, um, has some issues with the Apostle Paul, but we, the exercise that we were doing, we read a story about the Apostle Paul. And the way that we read it, she heard about him, she was very, she's very familiar with the Bible, but she heard about him in a different way than she had heard before. And she was able to say, to have some compassion for Paul and to, to realize his humanity, but the thing that did it was, she said, oh, I finally realized his deep love and intimacy with Jesus Christ. That enabled her to like him better because she also has a deep connection and intimacy with Jesus Christ. So this is what Paul is kind of doing, too. Paul is so close to Jesus. Paul loves Jesus so much, and he sees Jesus in these Philippians, because this is the work that God has started. They remind him of Jesus in a way that maybe other Christians who are, a little further back in their faith, do not. He can tell that Jesus is living in these people through his Holy Spirit, and he can tell that they are actively living in Jesus. Because he loves Jesus so very much and because he recognizes Jesus so clearly in them, it is impossible for him not to like them. In verse 7, he says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share God's grace with me. We all have Jesus. We're all becoming like Jesus. We're all looking like Jesus. You guys remind me of Jesus, and it's great that I just really have so much affection for you. Whether I'm in prison or traveling around telling others about Jesus, I am experiencing God's grace, and so are you. Our situations might be different, but we are living in the same Grace. In verse 8, he says, God can testify. It's not, this is Paul, like Paul is calling on God to say, God will tell you how much I like you. (laughs) God knows, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Because Jesus really likes you. Jesus really likes you guys. He's saying, Jesus has affection for you. The affection of Christ Jesus. And because Jesus has affection for you, I do too. I don't know if you remember my saying two weeks ago that there was a scenario here where there was an issue between me and a person and Jesus gave me his affection for that person. As we were talking, I didn't have it before. I had the I'm the pastor of this church, and I love everybody in the name of the Lord. But I did not have affection for that person, and Jesus gave it to me. And the relationship has gone on and changed and changed in really good Jesus-y ways. I think this is kind of like, I don't know if you, some of you, I know this is an important story too, but... I don't know if you remember the detail in the story in the Gospels of Jesus meeting the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler is trying really hard, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus recognizes that he is not going to get it. But it says in the Gospels, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I kind of feel like that is the sort of thing that we're talking about here. It, Jesus looked at him and had compassion for him. Not because the guy had observed all the rules of the law like he said he had. Not because he had it all figured out. Not because he was so righteous. Not because he got it because he didn't even get it. But he did. Jesus looked at that guy, and he saw that guy, and he was like, I love this guy. I just love this guy. Do You ever have that experience? Yeah. So love that we've talked about at the beginning of the sermon, that is an act of will, is powerful, and it is necessary. We need it because we're all a mess and annoying. <laughs> all of us are. And when the feelings of affection are not there, as some of you pointed out, deciding to love anyway is a very powerful thing to do. And it is something that I think God calls us to. It is something that God gives us the power to do that we don't have on our own. But I think that sometimes we assume that that is the only way that God loves us. No affection, no delight, just the powering through. Like I said when I was younger, I know God loves me, but I don't think he likes me very much. We assume that that's how God feels about us, or doesn't feel about us, and then it makes it harder to love each other in any other way than that. Because we already feel like we're basically just being tolerated. And it's really hard to be a great person when you feel like you're tolerated. Do you know how much more transformative it is when you know that somebody, even if they're correcting you, when they're correcting you, they actually like you? makes it so much more motivating to change. If you feel like they just did something good for you because they're a good person, but you suck, <laughs> then why should, like, I al- I'm already a mess. I can't get any better. Like, that just discourages me. That takes the, the wind right out of my sails. I don't want to do anything. I, I can't. Apparently, I'm just a piece of trash. And and so, we got to stop thinking that that's how God feels about us. Sorry, Ron. God actually likes you. Paul is saying here that Jesus has affection for his people. He doesn't just, I just, I love you. Uh, He likes them. And it is possible, because Jesus has affection for his people, it is possible for his people to have affection for each other. Paul says it's possible because Paul has the affection of Christ for the Philippians. Verse 9, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more, in knowledge and depth of insight. So Paul's saying, you guys are already pretty loving. I want your love to abound more and more. But I want it to be insightful, deep love. Here's the thing: love that is blind. We all, you know, we've heard that phrase. Love is blind, which means you just kind of ignore the shortcomings of the other person. That does not last very long because you can only ignore those things for so long. Love that is based on feelings also, as we mentioned, doesn't last very long. Love that is based on denial also doesn't last very long. You can be a person that says, I love this person because I have to, and so I have to forget that they did that thing that hurt me or whatever. That, none of that... None of that lasts. It is shallow and it is short-lived, and we cannot maintain either an idealizing love or a love that denies what's really going on. But love that has its eyes open about the reality of people but chooses to love anyway can actually go super deep and be super long-lasting In verses 10 and 11, it says, so that, so Paul says, I want your love to expand more and more, and I want it to be knowledgeable and insightful and deep, so that you may be able to discern what is best and pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So, love with insight Yields affection. Believe it or not, if you get to know somebody on a deep level to the point that you know all their shortcomings and all their nonsense and their sins and that kind of thing, it is actually easier to like them than it is if you just ignore those things or suppress those things or say, that's okay, even if it isn't. Um, And so love with insight, it also helps when you're able to get to know them and all of those shortcomings and understand kind of why those things are happening, not to excuse them, but just to make it make sense. Love with insight yields affection, which, when you like somebody, you want the good for them, right? You want them to do well. You want them to get better. You want them to not still do that annoying or actually bad thing that they are stuck doing. So Paul is saying, I want you to to love people so knowledgeably, so insightfully that you like them. And then that will enable you to discern and want what is God's best and purest, and most blameless for each other in this church, becoming more like Jesus. To the glory and praise of God. When God's people are clearly cooperating with him, allowing God to do the deep and sometimes difficult work of making us like Jesus from the inside out, God's people become more confident because they experience God's affection for them. Not proud. Pride is when you take credit for how great you are or the awesome things you did. But confidence in God is when you can say, like Paul says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. I am who I am. God made me. God loves me. God likes me. God is transforming me to be more like Jesus. And yes, I have shortcomings do I ever, but God is working on those with me. When we become more confident as as who we are in Jesus Christ, because we know God likes us, we become more and more able to have affection for each other and to express it for each other. Because we don't have to worry about ourselves, we can just, we know God loves us, God likes us, God's working on us. And so we are free to also love, like, and work together with each other. And that means there are more and more people reminding each other more and more of Jesus as our love for Jesus grows. And our love for each other grows more insightful, and we help to move each other forward, becoming more and more like Jesus and it just keeps going and keeps going, and we are all transformed, individually but also as a church. And since Jesus is the truest expression of God in human form, when all this happens, when Jesus' love for us helps us learn to not just love but actually like each other, from a deep place of grace, God is glorified and praised. And that... Because God is love, and God is great, and God is good, is the whole point. The glory of God. So, God likes you. And, because that's true, even though we've been through a ton of stuff the last, this year, but actually all the years (laughs) that I've been here, (laughs) and before that, um, We have opportunity to get on each other's nerves. But we also have the opportunity to really learn to like each other and help each other and belong together to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Lord God, thanks that you love us and that you like us. um, And that you delight in us, you have affection for us. Help us to see Jesus in each other and to grow to have your affection for each other as well as your determined, steadfast love. Help us as we go into our time of fellowship now um, to really keep you in the center of our thoughts and our hearts and to care for each other well even as we speak and eat together.